This is Abnormal Entertainment. Two, three, four. Walked into the tunnel just to find the light. Hunted for old demons looking for a fight. Looked up at the stars, seemed to go forever. There must be a way it all fits together. Fell into the quicksand, held on to the vines. Never cook white color, stay within the lines. Feels like I have wings, I can fly wherever. This is just the way it all fits together. Finally saw the world through rose-colored glasses. Gonna share my journey to small and large masses. Give up on my life, no sir, me never. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. Hey everybody, this is Daniel Garza and welcome to the Put It Together show. I'd like to start as usual thanking my producer, Mr. Kevin Morris, for all his help and support. Thank you, sir. Inviting all of y'all to check us out at abnormalentertainment.com where you can find all the shows on the network. Go check us out. Especially now, you have time to go check us out. So go check out not just my shows, but all the shows on the network. Uh, we have stuff in archives, too. So if you want to go back and check out some of the things that we've done in the past, make sure to check that out. Uh, I hope all of y'all are staying safe. Uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, I send you virtual hugs. And uh, I just hope everybody is doing well uh, this week. I'm excited. Um, I have what we call in Espanol... Uh, tocayo, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, same name. It, there's a, there's a word for that. Um, hi, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you speak fluent Spanish, so I'm still waiting. What is it? Tocayo? Is that it? It's tocayo. Yeah. So in Spanish, okay. we say tocayo. T o c a y o. Tocayo. That means we have the same name. So Excellent. I was pretty excited when I get a message from a Daniel uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, which for those of you who are not on LinkedIn, I totally recommend you do it. It is such a great way to connect with people, especially in, in these times. Uh, you can connect with folks that you normally would not connect with, um, which brings me to Daniel. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Daniel. My, my pleasure. Um, <laughs> so uh, actually, I don't know. I usually have a story. Because I usually go after people. Okay, I'm a stalker. Everybody knows. Uh, I've said it on this show before. I'm a virtual stalker. If I if I like somebody's profile or what they're doing, I will hunt them down to get them on the show. But you found me on on LinkedIn, um, so I don't know the story of how you found me. Right. So um, listen, we are in a precarious time right now, right? And so I wanted to as an entrepreneur, as, you know, someone who is also, you know, launching my own business uh, endeavors now, um, I was on a search for people that, you know, I could connect with. But the crazy part is, is that when the coronavirus thing happened and we all were kind of confined to our homes in a way because we're trying to do the right thing for the community uh, and for our loved ones, right? Um, I was like, well, how can I broaden my search on LinkedIn. I mean, here's this powerful tool. There's so many options to it. And how many conversations can I have was basically my goal. And it kind of brought me back to my put it together moment, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, I found you because you're a storyteller, you're a podcaster. And I was just like, well, I'm going to reach out to Daniel Garza and just see what he's up to. And not only did you like write me back, but we actually had some, you know, witty banter back and forth right away. And so I was just like, cool, man. Because sometimes people are like, I don't have time or <laughs> yeah. whatnot. And I'm like, oh, well, sorry. Um, but, you know, I've gotten to speak to 
a guy from like uh, Spain, the UK, New Zealand, you know, all over America, random people that I have a lot in common with. And then some that I have not much, but it ends up that we do because, you know, you got to judge a book for more than its cover. Right. And so I think that's been the pleasant surprise, Daniel, is that there's people that I didn't think I would have things in common with, but I reached out to anyway. And as we talked, uh, we actually did have things in common. And so that's the, when I got your message on LinkedIn, I was like, who is this dude? And what's he trying to sell me? <laughs> and because if, if you're anything like, I, I, I've been doing these shows now for eight years and I've been on in entertainment since like 2005. So my name's out there. Like if you Google me, you'll find me. Like, and I, I, I tend to get all the princess, all the princes from Africa trying to like get me to sign their, my life over. Or somebody's like somebody who thinks I don't have a life, and it's like, hey, you want a job? I'm like, I have like multiple things I do. Like I'm glad. So, although I'm very open and friendly, I'm always a little bit skeptical, and I'm like, ah, who is this dude? Why is he messaging? So I went and looked you up, and I was like, is he trying to sell me a business? Like, is he trying to like make make me join a cult or something? Which I have time right now. I totally have the time to join the cult right now. So, it's the right one. Yeah, yeah, no, the right one. Yeah, I don't want to be like part of a harem. Oh, because I just watched Tiger King last night. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But, um, but then we, we, I said, Jim, I like, okay, I'll accept him. I was like, he's a good-looking guy. Let's see what happens here. And uh, the first phone call was like, I'm Daniel. No, I'm Daniel. And I was like, oh, this is funny. So we immediately clicked, and I was like, okay, he seems like a cool guy. Like, I can be friends with this guy. Um, Anyway, well, I, 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 I hope that's what you thought. And totally. I mean, I, I wouldn't be here if I didn't. I mean, we had a great conversation. It, it, you know, it, uh, I had to cancel a couple other ones right after because we ran over. But uh, oh, no. totally kidding. Um, <laughs> I, totally kidding. Wait, which one are you kidding? We weren't. I wasn't interested enough, or you? Or no, you that I canceled other <laughs> meetings after. Uh, no, it, it was a good time, and so um, you know, I just would encourage people to get outside of their comfort zone and use this time now to connect with people in one of the ways that we can. And that's virtually through email, through text. You have the time, get out of your bubble, stop curling up in the corner and get to know someone. Yeah, you never, uh, you never know what's gonna happen. Somebody posted on one of the sites that this is, this is not confinement, this is just being safe. And as long as you're being safe at home, take the opportunity to do something productive. And, um, I've, I've reached out to people that I hadn't talked to in a long time just to say, hi, like, how are you doing? And, uh, I found that random people that I, people that I interviewed on the show years ago that still have my number have contacted me or on social media to like, just see how I'm doing. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like it, it just shows that you left the mark on somebody's radar. And if somebody left the mark on your radar, then just say hi. Just hi. You don't have to like catch up for the last years. Just say hi. Just let them know that you're thinking about them. So that's, that's a little moment there. Yeah, so, I think I could even do a better job at that too. Well, there you go. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. but Okay, so with that said, <laughs> uh, I obviously have not had breakfast this morning. So I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, so Daniel Lawrence, uh, military entrepreneur, uh, how do you put it together? Wow, yeah. So uh, you listen, I've been very fortunate to uh, serve in the military for about 20 years now in the U.S. Army Special Forces. And um, great career, a lot of deployments. I met amazing people both in the military and in the communities that I operated in, whether that was in Iraq or El Salvador or Honduras or, you know, name the country. Uh, I've always been able to, you know, make strong relationships. And so I'm forever grateful to that. And uh, my put it together moment probably started in 2012. Um, I was a detachment commander in El Salvador for about seven months. And, you know, if you're, and you know anything about the U.S. Army Special Forces and the Green Berets, you know that. You know, we, we are force multipliers by nature. And so we deploy in small 
elements, usually around 12 man teams, highly skilled, uh, highly trained. We speak multiple languages and we embed directly with our host nation partners. So in El Salvador, I was the commander of an ODA and um, we worked with the El Salvadoran special forces and set up a task force to combat human smuggling and drug smuggling and stuff like that. And uh, it was probably like the pinnacle of my career, you know? So, so I had this really high moment. I was briefing commanders, theater commanders, combatant theater commanders, generals, ambassadors, you know, on an almost weekly basis on what we were doing. And I just took immense joy from it, immense job satisfaction, you know, everything that I had worked for at that point for 14 years, um, you know, was coming together, right? And a solid team. It was just, it was a wonderful experience. But after 16 years of being in active duty or on active duty status, um, I was also just in the National Guard. So the Special Forces has two National Guard groups for all the active duty guys that want to get out and do it part-time because they're deployed too much or they want to go to school or whatnot. And so coming back from El Salvador, I didn't have a job. You know, I just finished my undergrad just prior to that. And uh, most of my time had been served in the military, right? Been deployed a lot. And so I finally got a job as soon as I got back, uh, working as an intelligence analyst in Northern Virginia. Uh, my job was, I was really excited about it because I was going to be able to help other special forces units in Afghanistan with like that intelligence that I was providing in the center. And um, what I realized was that was not the case. Um, I was working in a job that I had no decision-making ability, no say, um, wasn't able to send my reports up uh, due to political reasons. And um, I was kind of locked in a room, which we call a skiff, um, from 6 in the morning to 2 p.m. Wow. So here I come from a detachment commander on a special forces detachment in El Salvador, you know, talking with the DCM, the ambassador, the chief station almost every, every week with the host nation, you know, the secretary of defense for El Salvador, the police wow. commanders, all that stuff. Right. To being literally nothing. Wow. So, you know, I lived in DC, I'm driving 45 minutes to work and then an hour back depending on traffic. I'm waking up at four in the morning. Uh, just to be at my desk at six in the morning when I had to work exactly until 2 p.m. And about 1.45, there would be someone standing behind me waiting for me to leave my computer so that he could hop on that shift. Wow. Yeah. So here we go, 2013. I'm seven months in, Daniel, and I wake up at like four in the morning and I get up, I walk around to my side of the bed, I sit down and I just start crying. Wow. And I just started bawling my eyes out. And my wife wakes up, my fiance and girlfriend at the time, and she's like, what, what's going on? Are you okay? She's like, I've never seen you cry before. What's, what's going on? She's, she's kind of like freaking out. She's like, are you okay? What's going on? Right. And uh, I just like slumped there. My dog you know, put her head on my lap. And I was just like, I can't believe this is what my life has come to. Wow. Um, you know, I go from being a detachment commander, like the pinnacle to absolutely nothing. I'm not a manager, not in charge of anyone, not leading anyone, not inspiring anyone. I'm just putting dots on a computer screen. Wow. For eight hours a day. So not, Six not, months at a time. not like some of us had say, oh, I have a job that I'm, nothing like you really literally you were in a room by yourself yeah i was in a room with <laughs> here's the ironic part i was in a room with like eight other oh, okay former or current green berets all doing the same job and so when i tell my story of putting it together right you know that's my reality that's my experience that's who i am some of them were happy to have that job and I don't fault them for that or anything. But for me, right. it was not where I had envisioned my life going. It was not 
when I started that special forces training, you know, 10 years prior, um, that wasn't the outcome I was envisioning. So nobody warns you about this. Nobody tells you that this is what's going to happen. You just kind of ended up there. Yeah, no, like not at all. I mean, but again, some people are happy with it. Right. Like, hey, I'm just going to sit here and do this work and get paid. And I'm going to go home at 2.30 and do whatever I want for the rest of the day. But you had a energy that just was looking for more. I've always looked for more. I, I want to help people. I want to inspire people. I um, love collaborating with people. I love being inspired by people. You know, I, I just could not be a cog in the wheel. So at what, moment, at what moment did you like, okay, so we, you wake up and you break, you finally break. Break. Is, is that the moment you say, I'm out of here? Or? Yeah, I get in the car. And I have a 45-minute heart-to-heart with the universe. Oh, wow. I love that. And it's a lot of cursing. There's some more crying. There's some introspection. Uh, and it's, okay, buddy. Now let's get your shit together. Am I going right. to say that? Yeah, um, yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, this is an adult uh, show, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, in, in that 45 minutes, I have determined that uh, I need to get an MBA because my military skills, even though they're more capable and they're more primed for any leadership position or business position in the civilian world, my failure was in translating exactly what those skills were. So basically, I was almost unemployable outside of the government sector. All right. So I was like, listen, I got to go get an MBA. Um, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to tell everyone in my team, that's what I'm going to do. Because when you put things into the universe, it's called providence, right? Things are going to happen. Okay. And so I go to the office. This is my plan. And, uh, then I'm going to talk to my brother. And so I go to the office and everyone's kind of getting their coffee and we're kind of hanging around. We're just, you know, bitching and whining. And I'm like, Hey, I'm quitting. Wow. And they're like, whatever, dude, just stop. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, man, like, I'm going to quit. It's not today. But today, all I'm doing is putting in MBA applications. And sure as hell, I did. And uh, that afternoon, uh, I went to my boss and I was like, hey, uh, I'm going to grad school. I don't know when, but if I have my way, it's going to be in, in, like, the, in May, essentially. Uh, or as soon as possible. And they were just like, oh, okay. And so that was it. I, uh, so the other part of that is, is that I also quit like a month later. Oh, wow. So, so that what, whole year, what year is this? What year is this? And what 20, month are we talking about? 2013. Um, and then it's, gosh, I want to say um, May-ish. May? 2013, May. Okay. Yep. Just so we can put a timetable on, on where yeah. you are. Yeah. 33 years old. All right. So that's my moment. That's when I knew life had to change was that drive, waking up crying that morning, that drive, and just knowing that this is not what I'm going to do for the next 20-something years. Right. At all. And so uh, I put in on my business school applications. I get accepted to the University of Maryland, and that's where I end up going school in the meantime you know how am i going to make revenue so my brother has always been an inspiration to me he was a former marine you know from like 1988 to 92 and when he got out you know he immediately just went into entrepreneurship so he's owned like a, a lot of businesses in that time frame right and never went to college or anything like that just used the skills that the marines taught him his natural hustle his never say die attitude and um Good things happen. And so from 2013 and then prior, I think he probably bought a franchise called, bought a franchise called, uh, I'm not going to tell you the name, but he bought a franchise. It was a mosquito control franchise. Okay. And he bought the Delaware Coast like in 2009, right? And what I've seen from that time all the way up until like 2013 is how this changed his life, how entrepreneurship dramatically changed his life, especially when he found the right franchise business 
for him, right? And so I talked to him and I was just like, listen, man, like I don't know what to do with my life. I'm gonna go to grad school because I've got the post 9-11 GI Bill benefits and all that stuff and I'm always gonna pay for it and I think it's gonna be great because I wanna get into finance and all this, all this stuff, right? I go, but listen, I can do more. And so what we did was uh, we bought another franchise, the same franchise that he had, but we bought the territory to Annapolis, Maryland. And we started running that. And right away, I could see that um, I, was, I was enjoying it and it was starting to add like an additional revenue stream for me. Right. And it was starting to make things change a little bit. And, and it started to get my mind and like my hope and, and really align what it is that I wanted to do in this world. Right. And that was to essentially live a life that I love through entrepreneurship um, and helping people. Um, right. I read a lot about, uh, you know, Phil town and Warren Buffett and all these investors and how they earned to give and conscious capitalism by John Mackey who started whole foods um, and how there's a way to become wealthy, but also make the world a better place because of it. You know, whether you're giving it to charities or your family or whatnot, there's, there is selflessness that you can achieve um, through making a good living. Okay. Right. And, and that's some of the things that I wanted. And so we start running this franchise and then I'm going to school. The next thing you know, I get finally get enough skills or street cred. So you say from my MBA that JP Morgan says, Hey, like come join this program uh, and uh, be an investment banker up in New York. So I leave my wife who's pregnant at this time. This is like 2015 now. And uh, I go to New York city I crash on my buddy's uh, basement in my buddy's basement in Brooklyn. And uh, I'm very grateful for him. He never even charged me rent. I gave him a big wedding gift, though. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy, and, uh, you got a big gift. So there. Yeah, yeah. No, I can probably laugh right now, but um, I still owe him a lot more than that. Um, however, here I am working as an investment banker at J.P. Morgan on Wall Street, uh, going to the office about eight thirty in the morning, and sometimes going home at two in the morning from work. Wow. Sometimes I just stayed up all night and didn't even go home and just brushed my teeth at my desk and wore the same suit that I wore the day prior uh, because we wow. were working so hard. That's the investment banker life, right? So I'm doing this. My wife is pregnant and um, uh, it was like five or six months and I saw her once. I'm talking New York to DC. It's a four hour bus ride. It's a Amtrak ride. But I was so busy and so concentrated on this job that she was a trooper and she hung in there. Now, before right. you move, now before you move forward on that, because I want to, you come from a military background where you're constantly you're off in another country, you're constantly on the job. You're you're the job twenty four hours a day. You go through this little period where you're not doing much to feed that energy. And then now you're given a job where you're there 24 hours a day. Do you think it, it filled that space that you were missing from being away in the military? No. No? Because I would think, like, your mindset is like, I can do this all day long. Like, like does that make sense? And you're right, right? And I would say that the only difference between doing it in the military and doing it in the civilian world is you have no choice. Hmm. Okay. So when I deploy and I'm gone for six months at a time, hey, that's what we signed up for. Like I have no choice at that point. My wife has no choice. I have no choice. And so it's almost easier because, ah, okay. because you're there and you're like, hey, listen, I just got to focus. This is the end date. You always have an end date, right? Unless something bad happens, right? But like you always have an end date. So you're always doing a countdown, you know, with, the civilian world when you're gone like that there's not necessarily an end date their end date is retirement your end date is 20 years so a lot of like psychological things start to occur in your own mind and in your family's minds right and it's he's always gone um why is he doing this why can't he find a different job there's always choice 
Got it. And so choice can cause a lot of friction. Definitely. Right? Yes. Right? So it can cause friction inadvertently and then deliberately. Like, and so um, it's almost harder. It's harder. And it really makes you question. You're like, why am I why am I doing this? You know, and I'm sitting there and I start to think, like, why am I doing this? Well, listen, uh, the universe answered and another firm recruited me and I came back to DC and I just took a consulting firm position. I still worked a lot, but at least I was home every night. In the meantime, my story is kind of complicated, but in the meantime, I've got my mosquito franchise in Annapolis that's running. And in about 2015, right, we also open up another franchise or we start the process to open another franchise in Washington, D.C. And this one's an indoor cycling studio. Um, that takes us about two years to get up and running. Okay, so the process is quite extensive when you choose a brick and mortar business to start as opposed to a home-based business to start like a service-based business. It took us about two years. That was to find the real estate, negotiate the leases, do architectural design, all this stuff. But more importantly, I started to figure out like, Hey, this is who I am. I mean, being a green beret or being like a, a special operations guy in the military is not unlike being an entrepreneur. I mean, I'm having to do more with less. I'm having to inspire uh, diverse, diverse groups of people to, to really accomplish anything. And hmm. that is the, that's what gets me going. That's what I figured out is how do I work with these small teams? How do I solve problems, complex challenges in the real world, uh, in, in the military and um, watch something that I created grow, right? Through right. my leadership. And so I started that and we've been running those businesses, we just sold our mosquito business a few months ago. So that was a big win. And, uh, you know, I continued working at Deloitte. I continued doing my uh, Army National Guard duties uh, with the special operations. And I continued doing my part as uh, one of the main owners of our cycling business in DC. Fast forward, uh, here I am deployed again um, last year. Here, so last April through late September, and I just got home. I just got home in October, right? This past October. So while I'm deployed, I kind of know it's my last deployment. I kind of basically settled in and said, "Listen, I'm going to be an entrepreneur full time. I'm going to go home. I'm going to, you know, give Deloitte back their time or my consulting firm their time, and." Um, then I think I'm going to move on to the next chapter in my life. Okay. And so while I was away, I created another consulting company where I basically started a near shore sales team, uh, meaning that I had a sales team in Costa Rica. And what I would do is train them on the CRM and how to sell. And they would go and I would farm them out to other cycling studios and help them supplement their sales teams and save money and whatnot. Um, and so that became very successful while I was deployed. And I'm running that. I'm running the actual studio. Uh, I've got my mosquito business. And I'm running three things. Three things. Uh, you know, investing in property in, in Colorado where I want to move. And it's very busy, right? And so I just realized, like, man, I can – you can do anything as long as you're willing to do anything. Like you can do it if you're willing to put in the work, if you're okay sacrificing watching a basketball game or movie night or whatever it is. So um, you can do a lot of things, Daniel, and, and you just got to put your mind to it. And you actually got to kind of, I guess, how do we say it in Spanish? Have the cojones. Um, <laughs> But I want to, I want to go back because, um, yeah. okay. So we've already established that you're pretty awesome. So whatever, dude. Uh, all right, Lauren, stop it. Uh, but there is, there's a couple of things that really caught my attention because a lot of us and, and, and for the folks that follow me and, and follow me for a while know that I'm all about the spirituality and the energy and the yes. universe. And, and for those of you listening, God, Mother Nature, Buddha, whomever you pray to, give it a name and this is where we go. But I'm really intrigued about 
that morning where you finally said, I'm done? Because a lot of things, a lot of people would say, ah, Lawrence, what do you mean you broke down? Like, that's dumb. Like, real machos. Like, but no, breaking down is, is I believe, and, and I want to hear your version, but I, I believe that the moment we break down because we've had enough is really a growing, mature, for lack of a better, manly moment where you're like, I can't do this anymore. I need to do better by me. I need to do better by the people around me. So that if I don't do better, I can't ask better from other people. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. And so uh, I think what you're talking about is emotional intelligence. Yeah. And there's four facets of emotional intelligence. And one is self-awareness. And so I realized like with self-awareness. So the other thing I didn't tell you is that um, – before that deployment to El Salvador, I worked as a teacher's assistant and teacher's aide at the National Defense University with a gentleman named Colonel Bowles, and I was a psychology undergrad. So um, for a while, I actually thought I wanted to be a clinical psychologist, right? And so uh, we studied resiliency through uh, military families that were redeployed, right? So basically mothers and fathers that had to deploy how when they came home, how did that affect the family unit, right? And so we studied a lot of that. And so that's how I came across emotional intelligence. And I started reading it because we taught that at the National Defense University. And so, you know, to your point, um, it is self-awareness. It's, it's having, being able to have the uncomfortable conversations with yourself, right? And um, understand who you are. At that point in time, a lot of times, like, look, we grow up in a very materialistic and uh, society. Uh, whether you're whether you come from a upper middle class family, a wealthy family, or a poor family, we get shoved materialistic things down our throats twenty four seven. Right. Okay. And it's it is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and say don't ever listen to it. Like, listen. I get it. Yeah, it has its at place. some point, it has its place, right? But at some point, you have to stop living someone else's life. Exactly. And understand that this is all of this is designed for us to buy products or pursue different paths or whatnot. Listen, I don't think anyone, everyone is not meant for college. Right. Okay. Like, like not everyone is meant for a liberal arts degree. Sometimes, some people just need to be electricians. Some people need to be plumbers. Some people need to be engineers. Some people need to be doctors. It is what it is, but not everyone has to go to a four-year university. Not everyone has to rack up a hundred grand in student loan debt. Okay. But as a society, we tell everyone that if you're not, if you don't go to college, you're not going to be successful. And that's BS. Okay. Cause so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, cause you're so like, we're, thinking alike right now because coming from a latino we were middle class when i was growing up my parents had a pretty good job um, but yet because my parents did okay my parents had a pretty good job not a great position but they had a good job they had they were making money were okay my dad did like first like sixth grade my mom only did first grade uh my mom was an immigrant so i was basically first generation but their idea of you're going to succeed in life was graduate from high school, get a job in a factory, make manager, you're set. That, that's, that's it. Anything outside those parameters was not within their idea. Like, like when I wanted to be in, 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 in entertainment, like, what are you talking about? That, that, they don't pay for that. You were not created for that. So I lived in that life for a long time. Um, we were not, I was not taught that we could quit anything. So coming home from work and going, I hate my job. I can't do it anymore. My dad was like, well, what time do you go in tomorrow? <laughs> there, there was no, you know what I mean? It was like, okay, I heard you. Like, shut up. Like, what time, what time do you go in tomorrow? And it's like, no, you don't get it. Like, I can't do that anymore. And my dad's like, okay. So what time do you get off? <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're like, as a, ah. as a computer. Right. But that was the generation that like I grew 
out of. Like that's the generation that I came from. My parents was like, I don't care how tired you are. I don't care how much you hate it. You're gonna keep going and working and, and get a paycheck because you have a job. What else are you gonna do in life? And I think I grew up with that idea. Like I have limits, I have limits, I have limits. So I, I totally get, and for those of you that uh, haven't been on the air for a while, but like I lost my disability last year in September and I, I was on disability for a long time, but I believed that that's all I could ever be. Like all, all I ever was gonna be was on disability. So there was this control of how much money I could make, how much I could do with my life. Like if you get it, again, if you go anywhere outside the parameters that we've determined for you, then we're gonna, there, there'll be consequences for that. So I'm under that mentality. I've only been out of it for like six months. So I think I'm gravitating to what you're saying is because at some point you have to break down and have that conversation with the universe and go, what the fuck? Where do you want me to go now? Like, where do you want me to go? Because my brain can't, my brain's not telling me where to go. So you need the universe to guide you in a direction. Does that make, does that make any sense to you as well? hundred percent, right? Like you need that providence too, right? I mean, it's, it's all about putting it out there in the universe, striking that deal, um, saying it out loud, and then things are going to happen as long as you hold your end up to the bargain. And that's networking, that's making the world a better place, that's taking the GMAT or the GRE if your choice is to go to grad school or, you know, getting a, becoming a certified electrician if you're deciding to be an electrician. Right. It's putting in the work to do what you said you're going to do. Yeah. And because this show is really about motivating and inspiring other people. For those of you that don't know, my, my part of my elevator pitch to give people on the show is that, that this show is to motivate and inspire other people to go after their dreams and goals. And part of going after that is, is, ha is I believe, is giving, and I'm going to talk to the guys because we're, we're two dudes right now. Uh, as men, we're we're not always given the choice, and we don't give ourselves the permission to have that come to God moment or come to the universe moment and say, "I don't want to do this anymore. I need to change my life. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do." Like you know, and I, I don't want to. I wasn't going to bring this up, but like I have a lot of friends who are also former military, they're veterans. And I hear from them the stories of people who just don't make it anymore because they don't know that there's a choice or an option out there and they decide just to end it. And you're like, no, like, like as somebody who's dealt with anxiety and depression, I'm like, we have to teach other men that it's okay to have that breakdown and have that conversation with a higher power and go, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And so I'm, I'm, it got me really excited when you said, I'm driving 45 minutes and having a conversation going, what the fuck? Because I've had those conversations. I, mean, I live in, in Southern California. Three miles is an hour, so you have a lot of time in your car. And so I have those conversations often, especially after the disability thing, going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. And, and that that's okay to not know. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what? And, and, and here's what else I learned is that it doesn't matter what you choose to do, Daniel. You're gonna, this is what's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to bounce that idea off your family members and your friends. Right? Yeah. And 50% are going to say, that's a great idea. And 50% are going to say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> Yes. Okay. And it doesn't matter what the idea is. It doesn't matter. Okay. But as people like, and especially as men, it's like, we need, we need, you know, buy it. Right. I need, hey, if my buddies say it's good, then, I, then I'm probably doing the right thing. Uh, uh, right. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, but, but, but why do we always, why do we always listen more to the people that say no than the people that say yes? Because we're trapped in what living other people's lives. Right. And usually the ones that say no are the ones that were ever too scared to do it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so they're projecting that upon us and they're saying, man, like, what are you going to do about health insurance or how are you going to get a job? What if you fail? What if you fail? That's right. Girl. What if you fail? What if I fail? Then guess what? I'm going to learn and then I'm going to not fail the next time. Exactly. Like, 
like it's simple. Like, what do you mean what if? Like, I can what if anything, but I don't what if. Like, that's it's a waste of time. You can only control the things that you can control. But the fact is, and I, I don't know if this is happening, people out there listening might contradict this, but we're going to fail. We're going it, to, it's, it's just, if I'm going to do something that I've never done before and have really no experience in, one out of 10 things, if not more, is going to get fucked up. Something along the line is going to get messed up. Either we don't dot all our I's, we don't cross all the T's, we mistake a, a, a Q for a G. Something's going to get messed up. But if we, I will, and this is how, maybe I'm just naive, but this is what gets me through stuff sometimes. It's like, I know I'm going to mess up something. I know it. I already gave myself permission to know that I'm going to mess up something. And if it can be corrected, I'm going to correct it and I'm going to keep going forward. It's not going to stop me. But if I go in going, oh, everything's going to be perfect. I'm not going to mess up. And as soon as something skips, I'm like, oh, like I can't do this anymore. So does that make sense to you? I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just. No, it's funny. You bring up a point. And it's like, and so what I tell people is, you know, if you get someone that says, well, what if you fail? Or what if you don't work out? You should just stop all conversation at that point in time and walk away. The people that I am going to get something from are going to say, when you fail, what's your plan for getting back up? That's the conversation that I want to have with someone that I respect because they've probably failed more than, more than I have. Right. And failure is just like another opportunity to win. Right. So if you don't learn, the most important thing about failure is, is not just curling up in a ball and hiding in the corner and being low as me. It's going, yeah, well, guess what? I made a dumb decision. That's on me, right? Like, like I'm not going to do that again. And this is how I'm going to ensure that I'm not going to do that again. Let's get this going, right? Failure is not the end-all, be-all. Like, I welcome failure, adversity. It's made me who I am. Uh, and uh, I think the right question is, when you fail, how are you going to react? Not what if. So manage expectations and know that you're probably going to fail. Doesn't mean that you're going to go out of business if you start a business. It doesn't mean you're going to lose everything you have. It means that you might have a bad month. Yeah. In all reality, you might, you might have a crappy Black Friday and you're going, you know what? Next Black Friday, I'm going to get my shit together because this is what I learned. Exactly how it was for me. My first Black Friday with my cycling studio, I've dropped the ball. And I was like, okay, next Black Friday, I'm going to blow it out of the water. And I did a lot better. But then the third Black Friday, I blew everything out of the water because you keep learning, right? Um, and so maybe, maybe what we should be telling people, Daniel, is that, yes, manage your expectations. Approach something when you're going to fail. Okay, so look at that aspect because it's not always you can do as many uh, PL uh, pro formas, you can guesstimate all the sales and revenue you're going to make in a first year when it comes to business, but it really doesn't ever work out that way. Mm -hmm. Right? So when you fail, just know that the failure that you're experiencing is probably a short term event. Okay, it's not the end of your business, the end of your 401k, the end of whatever you're thinking about in your head, like when we think of failure, we think like the ultimate catastrophe. It's not, man. It's just little speed bumps. It's not failure. Okay, learn from them and then keep moving forward. I do staffing for events and uh, my very, very first one, I didn't tally in like my personal time, like my time spent. And by the time I got paid and paid my staff i was like this is all i made like what the hell like and then i i started asking other people i'm like why did and they're like did you pay yourself and i was like oh, how, how did i forget that small detail and, and i would have made like a good chunk of money out of that i was like damn fool me once and, and the second <laughs> time the second time i learned like highball it like hey this is how much i need and they actually said yes and i was like oh Okay. Know your worth. Know so your worth. Now I could pay me and I could pay my staff a little extra than what they expected. 
and everybody walked out happy. But then again, like you said, blew it out of the water. I expect more from my staff. I expect more from me because you're paying for my services and this is what you're getting. So you, you become better. So for those of you out there, this, this is going to be your question of the day. Like when you fail, how are you going to pick yourself up? Not how, like, cause you're going to do it in life, especially if you're young and you're listening to this, listen, you little whippersnappers, you're, uh, I, it's going to happen. Cause we determined that I'm, I'm older than you, right? We said like 10 yes, years. You said that about 20 times on our initial call. Yes. And I will say it again, Lawrence, as somebody older than you, let me just tell you, uh, but it's, it's, it's really cool. And, and, and again, because we, we want to inspire people to know, we want to motivate them to know that like when you see Lawrence's picture, you'll, you'll figure out like he, he's impressive. When I'm going to put out his Instagram so you guys can follow him. You look at his Instagram and you're like, this dude, like what the hell? Like how, what could you possibly fail in? Like you, you, you just seem like the perfect GI Joe person. I failed so much, Daniel. And it's so encouraging to hear that, not because I'm like, oh, ha ha, you fell, but to know that, like, look at where you are now. And if, if, you've, if you've made some, some mistakes along the way and it's gotten you this far, then I'm looking forward to my mistakes to see where it gets me. 100%. Listen, there's, there's no one out there that is successful unless they were just like born with the ultimate silver spoon in their mouth. And even them, they're just insulated from the world. So they probably fail from the moment, moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. Okay. We fail, but it's learning, man. How do you pick yourself up? That is perfect. Daniel. All right. How so, do you pick yourself up and keep going? So we're at the 45 minute mark. Okay. So this is where I can ask you some of my uh, scripted questions. So, mm-hmm. um, I want to go back. If you could go back and talk to Daniel Lawrence before he joined the military, what would you tell him? Make sure you join the military. Really? Wow. Yeah. I was, hey man, I was not, but listen, I, I, I think I'm gifted in a way, like if you asked me what my superhero talent was or is, it's uh it's self-awareness nice like i knew at the age of 17 that all i wanted to do if i went to college was drink and party huh i didn't want to put my nose in a book i i knew at that point in time i didn't have what it took I had too much energy, too much curiosity. And uh, I was also in like Naval Junior ROTC. And I, I was obviously I played like varsity football and baseball and stuff like that. But of course um, you did. Right. <laughs> but I was also in the theater. Um, so I also participated in theater, even in college. So um, yeah. Yeah. Um, of course you did everything, Lawrence. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> But I just knew, like, yeah, I remember my, my stepdad raised me, okay? And so I remember having a talk with him, and he was like, listen, do you really want to go to college? And he's a college educator. He's one of the smartest men I've ever met. Helped build the Apollo. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. And so um, he was like, listen, are you sure you want to go to college? And I was like, I want to but I would not be doing you and mom a service. Okay. That, and he was like, that's really insightful of him. I mean, it, it's, it's cool that you had an adult in your mm-hmm. life that said, I've, I've seen you grow. I, I, I know your potential, but it's not in this direction. Let's just change, give you a plan B. And that was awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, he gave me a plan and that plan was listen, Let's go talk to the recruiters. You're already in Navy Junior ROTC. They already know who you are. I was like the third highest ranking ROTC program. And he was like, let's go talk to them and let's get some college money, do a four-year enlistment. And if you want to go to college at that point, after you've seen the world and you've had some real-world experience under your belt, then at least you've got money for it. And that's exactly what I did. 
I got out after four years and went to my undergrad um, and used my college money from the army. And then I went back in. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. I've, I've told this story on the show a hundred times, but I, I have such a respect for folks in the military. I, I believe I almost joined the army when I was young. And I, I, people listen to the show are going to be like, again, Garza? Yes, you're going to hear the story again. Um, I was, I, I was signed up to join the army. I went into the test, got really high score. The recruiter came to my house to convince me. But the only reason I didn't join is because I, I, I heard this was 1989, maybe 88. But I heard that there was this, uh, that as a gay man, I would not survive in the military. And I got scared and I decided not to go. And just to sign the papers, ready to go, I said no. I was like, I don't, I, I didn't want to be a statistic or a casualty or like come out of there all like mentally bruised, I guess. And I didn't join. I got scared. I got scared. And it's been, it's one of the only regrets I have in my life that I, I always wanted to go to the military. I wanted. And then, um, well, this was right before Desert Storm. And then Desert Storm came around. And I remember bawling, just crying, because I wanted to be there. I wanted to go, and I wasn't able to. And my parents didn't know that I had signed up uh, to want to go. And like, wow. they didn't know I'd done the process. And my mom was like, what do you mean you had signed up? I'm like, I was ready to go to the military. Like, I just chickened out because I, I, I'm gay, and I didn't want to. Like... But anyway, that's, that's an that's, that's an. Can I, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Yeah, so at that that time and but were you were you out and open about it or were you were you in during that time? Because I know it was a less forgiving time than it is now. Yeah, no, I I I came out to my parents when I was like seventeen. So this okay. was like a year and a half later uh, after high school. And so they knew I was gay already. Okay. And but I was like, uh like it was that what do I do? And then come to find out, like a couple of years later, the complex where I moved in, two of my neighbors were former army guys who were gay. One of them is past sense. And, and they were like, oh, we're gay in the military. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, what do you mean you were gay in the military? Like, that doesn't mean, that in my head did not compute. They're like, yeah, like everybody knew, like nobody cared. Like, and I'm like, shit. Like, again, I think for those of you listening, this is one of the few, the, this is, was the, the foundation of me not fearing life because of what other people say this this was the time that that foundation of me doing research this is why i love doing research about things I, i'm a good researcher i i do my research i ask questions i follow up i read through because i'm like i don't want to live my life in fear and based on hearsays uh because i don't want to be stopped from doing something I really want to do ever again. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I'm that double dare guy, like, dare me, dare me to do it, I'll do it. Like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Like, I'll prove it to you. Um, okay, so before we, we end up, so um, second question. Um, when they write the book, or when you write the book of Daniel Lawrence, what would be the first line in the book? <laughs> the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> there's context to that by the way there's context to it my brain is going in so many directions right now but before i go in the gutter can you explain um you know one of my former commanders is someone that i still talk to to this day and who i admire more than anything um i asked him on that put it together day when I decided to uh, apply for all those MBA programs, he was the first person I reached out to and asked for letters of recommendation. Okay. And when he sent me the letter of recommendation, he was like, hey man, here's the letters that I wrote for you. Um, and I read through it. Uh, one of the lines was uh, something like, Dan Lorenz is probably one of the most resilient and um, like, challenging and thoughtful leaders that I've ever met. Um, 
And the only thing that I can say about that is that the juice is definitely worth the squeeze. Wow. So, so listen, I'm, I've never been easy. I've never been, you know, I've, I have a mind. I love to collaborate and I love to talk as you can see. And so uh, some people don't like that. And some people do. <laughs> well, as a podcast host, I love people that can come in and chat. You would not believe the amount of people that I've had that I ask them a question and it's yes. <laughs> You're like, uh, anything else? No. Okay. Uh, for those of you wondering, because I know you're wondering, yes, there are, there are several interviews in my computer that will never air. <laughs> I, I cut them at like 20 minutes in. I was like, we're done. I'm over. Right. Um, I'm going to have to use that. I'm going to have to use that. Say that again. The the juice is worth the squeeze. Juice is worth the squeeze. I like that. That that, that says a lot yeah. about a person. Um, I, you know, I I took it as like I chuckled like I like I still do when I think about that. And uh, but it was an extreme compliment. I took it as an extreme compliment because yeah. nothing worth having is easy, right? No, uh, and we could talk hours about that part. Yeah. Uh, if you had to name this episode. What name would you give it? The juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> of course, somehow I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> of course, you were. Um, so we're almost at the end, but um, I, I want to say though, uh, there are. I've I've been on the air with this show for eight years. I've done over two hundred and sixty episodes, and there are a, a, everybody that's been on my show is special, and everybody inspires me, but. Um, you talking about going back to school and stuff. We, we watched a commercial not long ago about this university online and where they take your life experiences and give them a credit. And I'm 49 years old and I, I started, I almost became an alcohol and drug counselor. I didn't do it because I called it research. I was doing drugs and alcohol at the time. So I decided not to continue school. But I've been wanting, I've, I've wanted, I've always wanted to go back and get my degree and, and, and finish something. So uh, don't let it go to your head, Lawrence, but you're, you're, you've inspired me to call them and see how this can translate and how I can get it. I'd, I'd like to at one point have my degree as a counselor, and, um, have all my life experiences translated to something. Uh, I, I have my acting and I have my advocacy work and I, I do my card readings and ranking and they're all very I'm, I'm very I'm successful in my own way but I would love to leave that have that degree on my wall and that says I finished it I, I finished something that's one of the few things that I have not finished in my life and I'd like to go back and finish it so thank you for inspiring me to do it again. well the only thing I could ask in, in payment is that you send me a copy of your <laughs> graduation certificate so I can celebrate. Oh, we went off something scratchy. Oh. oh, so make sure you make sure you let me know when you accomplish that goal because I want to send you congratulations. Oh, uh, sharing your joy. Thank you. Well, now it's a. This is you just put it in the universe. It's providence. This totally sounded like a double dare moment. So I, <laughs> how am I to not like? I'm no sissy. I'm not going to say no. Uh, <laughs> What to to date? What would you think is your biggest accomplishment in life? Oh wow! That's, I, I, I'm uh, I'm harsh on myself, so I, I think my biggest accomplishment is just so far raising two incredibly like beautiful children. Um, there's still a long way to go there in the infancy of their development, right? But you know, I've seen what it's done to me. It's made me a lot more focused, deliberate, um, patient. Uh, something I, I lack um, is patience. Um, but they've made me a lot more patient, believe it or not. And so, so far, that's that's my my most proud accomplishment. Nice. And I, again, I've seen the pictures. They're totes and Yes. Um, and, uh, the last thing, um, 
words of wisdom. If you could share some words of wisdom with uh, my listeners, what would you tell them? The chief cause of unhappiness and failure is trading what you want most for what you want at the moment. Oh, wow. I like that. That's, that's a yeah. soundbite on its own. That is pretty awesome. That's it. I mean, if, if, if you can remember that and, and pull it out on a note card or whatnot, whenever times get tough, whenever you want to quit something prematurely, regardless of how insignificant or significant it is, it's still quitting. And so just remember that the chief cause of unhappiness and failure is trading what you want most, your long-term goal, for what you want at the moment. And that is so significant of what I just shared about school. I, I, I wanted, I didn't think I needed a degree. Like, I'm doing fine. And, and years later, I was like, this is another, I, I call it, in my head, there, this is my army moment. Like, I always go back to like, why are you not continuing with this? This is your army moment. Like, you can go, you can keep going because you want to. Not because somebody says no or can, and that's why earlier when I was asking, like we we tend to want to listen to the no's, and it, it, I, I think because it's easier, we don't have to put effort into it, we don't have to sweat a little, right? So, so uh, well, Daniel Lawrence, man, uh, this is the hour. I, I it went too fast. I feel like we can continue to talk even more. Uh, so I hope you'll come back on the show. And, and, I, would, I would love to, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough for having me on. I really appreciate this, Daniel, and it was it's just an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you again. Thank you, and uh, hold on. Don't, don't hang up. Let's say goodbye, everybody. For everybody listening, we've been talking to military entrepreneur, wise man, uh, Mr. Uh, Daniel Lawrence. Uh, keep going, folks. I, 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 I don't usually have my uh, Jerry Springer thoughts of the day moments at the end of the show, but um this is the first episode that i'm recording uh after this whole covid19 has started and uh, i'm so glad that i didn't quit my podcast when i wanted to a couple of years ago that i kept going because it's allowed me to connect with people like this and keep talking so i'm going to do more interviews uh if you haven't already heard it uh, by the time this airs, I would have launched all the stories that I have on hold. So go back and check out abnormalentertainment.com and uh, put it together and follow all the uh, stories that are going to be launched. Uh, these are these they're, they're such little nuggets of history now because I recorded these uh, po uh, pre uh, COVID nineteen. So to hear those stories now, a couple of months later, is really interesting for me because there's stuff that we weren't even mentally prepared for. We had no clue what was coming. And to hear these gentlemen and ladies that I talked to and talk about the plans that they had and the things we wanted to do, it's, it's, it's a little nostalgic and a little sad, but it's also just, it's just a pause for everybody out there. Stay safe, uh, take care of yourself. This is not the end. If you have dreams, just put a pause on them for a second and, and you're gonna keep going. It's gonna happen. Um, and unfortunately, like anything, there will be casualties. Um, they, they, we will miss people. Uh, not everybody's going to make it through. And, and we're sad for those. But in honor of those people, we have to keep going with all of us. And I don't know where my place in life will be. I don't know what the universe has in store for me after all this. But uh, as many stories as I can put out there as many people as I can talk to, I will do it. So if you're listening and you want to share your story, get in touch, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, look for Daniel G. Garza or Little Mexican, L-I-L-M-E-S-I-C-A-N. Check it out and uh, send me a message. Let me know that you want to be on the show or that you want to nominate somebody to be on the show right now. We'll get in touch with them and let them know. For now, I want to thank again, Mr. Uh, Daniel Lawrence. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you, my producer, Mr. Kevin Moyers, for all his help and support. Uh, and Mr. Moyers, for those of you who didn't know, he is a mailman. So I, I am so proud of him, and I am so grateful to have him as a friend and producer because he's out there delivering packages daily and, and doing the work that 
most of us don't want to or wouldn't want to do. So thank you, sir, for, for that. Uh, for now, this is Daniel Garza saying, hey, put it together. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. Subscribe to Put It Together on iTunes, Stitcher, and at abnormalentertainment.com slash put it together. Find Put It Together on Facebook and tweet Daniel at Lil Mesican, L-I-L-M-E-S-I-C-A-N. And for more podcasts, comics, books, movies, and more, head to abnormalentertainment.com. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network.